And it's a very, 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 very good evening this Monday evening. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Wayne Turner. The program is Talk at Six with Wayne, and we'll be taking you till about quarter to seven. We had a great show last week, our educational slot. And this week, second Monday of the month, means that it is our finance slot. We're gearing down for the end of the year, so all our programming, we're sort of looking at year-end, what the future holds, etc. And with the same, with that in mind, of course, uh, Nico's going to look at some of the issues, bringing to conclusion a an interesting year. Let's put that. Um, Nico, thank you so much for joining us this evening. We really, really appreciate your time and the effort, all the background that goes into this. <laughs> yeah, wonder. I have to do a lot of reading, and uh, it's it's actually fun. Yeah, I suppose a lot of it's it's uh, overlap because you're already reading the stuff and you're just looking to how you can apply to situations with listener questions and the like. Yes. What's yes. happening in the world of Nico? How's it going personally at the moment? Um, it's been an exhausting year and I think I'm feeling it now. I'm tired mm. and uh, it's been a traumatic period for my family as well. I'm looking forward to, to slowing down. It's absolutely, the pool is not yet ready to swim it'll be ready by tomorrow i'm just going to enjoy that you're going to relax i'm going to relax yeah unfortunately for me this is the time of year where i can make my money christmas with, yes. the, with the, the work i do the presents the gifts and the like my uh, uh instagram book account is doing exceptionally well but you know those things are given as gifts as well as all the laser cutting stuff yes. so um i did some video work a couple of years back for the vineyard hotel and they paid me five nights bed and breakfast for two. Okay. And, you know, it was holiday season, then COVID hit and all the rest of it. So last month we got two nights in at the vineyard. It was just so nice. And we've got three nights owing to us. So we've decided after all this chaos and craziness, end of January, February, we're going to take our three nights at the vineyard. I think we're going to get a chance to relax. It's a very good time. The weather is still good. Yeah. And the hotels are not quite as crowded. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we're hoping that we want them to be very, very crowded. We want this period <laughs> to carry on, especially with my wife's business. But okay. anyhow. So uh, this has been an Annus Horribilis, to quote the Queen of many years back for many people. Uh, some people it's been great my daughter got a salary increase and a promotion during hard lockdown some people had it like the other people actually lost everything so it's been a year of great contrast with different people experiencing it differently how have you viewed it looking back and of course based on looking the past you can look uh, forward to the future you're a bit of an optimist so what is your take Okay, I think let's start with COVID first because I think that is the critical um, issue. Um, surveys suggest that South Africans are more worried about criminal activity than we are about COVID. So uh, if you I put that think. question to them, they're saying crime is, a, is the problem, not COVID. Right. Now that, that, that came as a surprise. Mm. The government admits the, where they are having a problem is a lot of people pitch for the first shot and don't pitch for the second. Mm. That is a problem because they assume at the end of the first shot they are immune. Uh, and The second are, one isn't just a booster, it's a necessary... It uh, is, and in fact the third one will become necessary mm. as well because we now see what it does with the third one. The other uh, thing that, that I find a bit frustrating is the new variant was identified on the 50, on the 18th of November, less than a month ago. 
And by the time a South African doctor identified it, it was already present in 11 countries around the world. But they're punishing South Africa. Mm. And that kind of doesn't make sense. But having now looked at the stats, what happened was a university uh, and a hospital in Tswane did the, the actual research where they're monitoring every single person admitted to that particular hospital because that is the epicenter mm. of the new variant. Now, the first thing we've realized is that if you're hospitalized with COVID, generally you're there for eight days. The new variant, you're out by your third. Mm. So it's much more infectious, but it, the symptoms are much weaker. You know, something really interesting that uh, I read an article by a, a specialist, a, a researcher, and his, well, his words were that uh, it's far more infectious, but not as deadly, and it's gobbling up the more deadly strains. And someone said, with the Spanish flu of the early 20th century, by the third to the fourth wave, it started to disappear. And the other thing, I did some personal uh, look into st statistics for November and December as far as we've come. And it appears that deaths have uh, plummeted by 50%. Yes. And infections have increased by 500%. Yes. So we've got fewer people uh, dying, more people infected, in a way, somebody said it's it's good news because this could be the the not herd immunity, but the death of 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 COVID. Well, if we look at other pandemics, and the Spanish flu is the one that we can best track. A hundred years ago, by the time it started breaking out into the variants, they then noticed that it was becoming less damaging until eventually it just died out. Mm. Now, this is not the only pandemic that that pattern. That's how the patterns go. So for me, I'm looking at this from a good news perspective that it is becoming uh, less dangerous. Um, fewer people are dying. The ones who are being hospitalized are being hospitalized uh, for a much shorter period. And in fact, looking at the Steve Beaker Hospital, and I need to get the figures here, they had 38 people in their COVID wards on the 2nd of December. Now, of those, 24 were unvaccinated. Of mm. the 38 with COVID, 24 were unvaccinated. Uh, eight others, they, they had no records of whether the person had been vaccinated or not, but only six had been vaccinated. Of the 38, only six had been uh, vaccinated. So is that showing that the vaccinated people aren't going in? They, or? We're not, it's not affecting us that right. much. It's not affecting us that much. And to argue that this is not a link to the vaccine just doesn't make sense to mm. me. You know, just another question. You, you mentioned Spanish flu um, and how bad it, it was then. A hundred years later, our international travel, our shipping and all the rest of it, we've done so much more so if we were, if we had this pandemic at the time of uh, the Spanish flu, it would hardly be a blip on the radar because the, the transmission would have just been, you know, ten percent of what it is now. Okay, that Spanish flu is worth looking at the stats because at that point, what we today know is the Western Province. A third of every person living in the Western Province got infected. Mm. The death rate was far higher. 
than anything we can imagine. In fact, we don't know how many people died because there were so many they lost count. Nobody kept records anymore. When it got to a certain level, they just let it go. But with us now, we've reached this infection rate and that's because we're a a 21st century society and people are flying 30, 40, 50 airplanes a day are coming in from overseas, which that might have been 30, 40, 50 ships in a year reaching. Yes. And, And obviously what we also need to understand is they've already got results just from the 18th of November. Mm. We already know what to do, which is why that third shot is so important, Mm. because it actually reverses even the symptoms of the earlier variants. Right. So there is a lot of good news um, around on that particular front. Right. And I would be very surprised if next year this time we would still have the horror that we have today in, yeah. in terms of, of the, COVID. The reading I'm doing, it, it looks like uh, COVID is on its way out as a major factor. Yes. No, I, I think so. And with that, for me, comes the employment returns to normal mm. and those kind of things. So it's going to be interesting to see what the president does because he doesn't have to make the lockdown heavier. Can I just ask you, you, you mentioned employment, and I'm sure that's part of, of, of what you've been looking at. Uh, I mentioned 10 years ago, Tim Noakes on one of my shows said he believes that universities will become research institutions for yes. medicine, for specific engineering uh, dis- uh, disciplines that need you on at the university. The rest of it will be done online. Yes. He was shouted down and they said, no, that will never happen. But what we've seen now is that uh, COVID has changed all of that and going a step further that people, the universities are, on, are not just uh, being, well, study being done at home, people are working from home in numbers we would never have anticipated unless, of course, they were forward thinker like you and you do research. Yeah. Look, I, I, as I've said on a couple of occasions, I sit on national committees, mm. so I see the trends that are happening. And we are much more proactive in telling the universities where they need to do their research because we have control of the purse strings. Mm. So we are saying, if you want to work in this area, we will fund, but there's got to be a clear outcome. There needs to be benefit. It's research-based. It's not like the old days where you collected knowledge, Mm. which then had no use. It's got to have that useful impact. So you need to do studies on how many people are working from home, how many people are working in, yes. in, in buildings, and come up with an, an, an interpretation of that. Absolutely. And why this is so important is the one thing we were all caught unawares was the mental anguish that lockdown was going to cause. We all underestimated that, including the psychologists and the psychiatrists. Well, our, our psychologist, who's the, the, I mean, she's a, a child psychologist, but I mean, did, studied brain, the brain. And throughout hard lockdown all the way through, one of the things she was saying all the time and, and commenting on was the mental health of people being yes. locked down. The problems you take into lockdown are there with you. Either have to deal with them or ignore them. Yes, and that, that is what was the, the, the surprise for us. And certainly I see now when I'm doing my consulting work with my clients, I've got to spend a lot of time talking about feelings, more than I've ever had to do before. Because those feelings now impact a financial decision. Yes. Finances impact their feelings. You've got this cycle. It's, that a, it's a horrible cycle and you've got to get into it. 
and you as a financial planner advisor have never in the past had to give uh, I, I hesitate to say it because you can't psychological advice but you need to talk within that area and we've now had to look a lot more at behaviorism mm. now that is the area we can work in are you like you would refer to a specialist uh tax person, I know you are a specialist tax, but something like it, do you have to refer your clients and say to some, I think you need to talk this through with a, 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 a medical professional? I think if, if the during the COVID there was grief and death very close, mm. then they do need a professional, I can't help with that. Yeah. But if they've just lost their sense of confidence in making financial decisions, then I can work in right. that area and I can deal with behaviorism because that we we do understand the concepts absolutely we've, we've been working in that area for four or five years but you're doing a lot more of it now oh yes a lot more but that also means that at the end of your session you are more tired than you were and you've spent less time on the actual financial advice <laughs> well it's part of the package yeah you just have to deal with the package mm. because people like i say they they pick on something small and then they make that into the mountain that prevents them from making decisions. And they disempower themselves when they do that. But you know, it's a reality. the other day I was chatting with somebody and I said to them, you know, if I, if my worry, anxiety and concern and sleepless night caused the Minister of Finance, the head of SARS, whoever, to have a, a lack of sleep, then I would do it. But he never tosses and turns about my lack of, of sleep, anything like that. So I said, that, that, that all that energy you're focusing on the petrol pricing increase, refocus, look at selling something, getting a, a part-time job or doing a, a hobby that you can make money at. Focus that energy on something that you can actually improve yourself. And I've always found when that, those situations arrive, I'm actually better off because I've now found another income stream rather than moan, moan, moan and go to, go to bed and this person okay. was b blown away just by the little concept. Yes. Uh, in fact, about a week and a half before the, the budget was read out, the secondary one, um, I needed to meet with one of the top officials. Mm. And he just said, you're crazy. You have no idea what's happening on the budget front right now and the kind of nonsense we've got to fix. And they literally went on to 24-hour round-the-clock research because they had to rewrite so much of what they were wanting to do. They do have sleepless nights, but it's better that you don't know about it. Yeah, but they don't have sleepless nights. Because, what I'm saying, if my worry and my sleepless night translated to some other guy who's having, it would be worth doing it. Okay. But my point is, it's really not worth it because it doesn't change the situation. He's not going to make a ch different uh, cut the tax rate because I'm worrying. Yeah, there, 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 there has been some changes that have. But there is a new trend in the in the in the government, and I'm, I'm going to touch on that. Uh, the gross domestic product just to uh, is what we basically earn as a country, mm. and so we look at that as a total figure. Now, in the last quarter, the gross domestic product dropped by one and a half percent in a three-month period. That is catastrophic, and the reason was that there was a serious attempt at overthrowing the government. That was an attempted coup d'etat. You can rename it and make it sound politically more acceptable. It was a direct attempt at overthrowing the government, and we know who is responsible. The books have already started being published. They name and shame mm. the individuals involved. And that impact 
has affected the whole country. You work out 1.5% of what we earn as a country in a three-month period because of an uprising in one province, mm. the, the kind of impact that that has. So on the actual front economics, it wasn't a good year for us, even although we're expecting to end the year on a 3% growth. Next year, we're expecting to end on the 2% growth. The Monetary Fund has come back to government and said, you've got to stop trying to control the economy. You're not very good at it. Mm. And every time you make a national decision and you punish the taxpayers because you can't control the state-owned enterprises, stop it. And I think this message is getting through to so many people. But again, within national government, until national government stops trying to assume that this is the Soviet Union in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. We are not going to get out of this. They are not good at controlling the state-owned enterprises. They are proud that there was only 160 billion fraud in one year. How do you get proud that it was only 160 billion rand? The ruling party has lost it. And I think this is good that the elections are showing the ruling party a foretaste of national elections. That we are not going to accept this anymore. We've now reached the tipping point. They can't reverse this anymore. And they can throw the slogans as much as they like if they don't deal with some of the realities of the state-owned enterprises. I'm hoping the government will lose the national election. I'm really hoping that's going to happen. But just to give you an idea of the confusion that happens, when government puts a proposal that we vote on the expropriation bill and then 26 members of the government votes against their own proposal, it shows you the degree to which that party is fracturing. Mm. And that for many of us is actually good news, by the way. So the thinkers and the people who have got a genuine heart for the people are now voting against and saying, well, possibly we'll, we'll form a new party and uh, well, fight the, an election. What they're saying now is we are going to lose the government. We have to start being more responsible. Mm. And that faction is growing in size. Because at the end of the day, exports drop by 10%. Imports drop by 16%. The gross domestic product dropped by 7%. And that was the management of government that caused that. Right. It wasn't all because of the pandemic. This was just ministers not being competent, ministers being appointed who don't have the competence that they need. And then, I mean, look at the attempted overthrow. In KwaZulu, the minister police disappears. Nobody can find him. So how do you now, knowing there's a revolution attempt, and nobody can find the minister? So, you know... The, Where was he during the time? Well, he disappeared with the, the military and some of the other people. They just literally went underground. And that says to me that people will, with their mouth, say they support Ramaphosa. But when the crunch comes and they can make a difference, they go and hide somewhere and they wait to see what happens. That, for me, is an issue. But now let's get to personal finance, where I think the the news is uh, a little better. I got an email from a listener 
doctors in Afrikaans. I'm going to quote as, as much as I can in English. The email said, I opened a Bitcoin account and invested $250. In a very short period of time, it grew to $500. So I made basically a massive profit. And now my problem is I can't get my $500 paid out. So what I'm wanting to explain to this listener and all the others is how the scam works. You create a platform out there and people give you money and you supposedly buy Bitcoin. The price of that Bitcoin is not the same on every platform. So I can tell this person what they've bought is now worth $500, when in reality it may only be worth $250. But if I make it sound like they've made more profit than they have actually made, the average person is going to increase their investment. That's what they want. That's what they want. So now you make it sound like they're doing wonderful. They give you more money to put away. And now the problem is at some point they wanted their money back. And that's when you start throwing things at the person. You ignore the emails. You ignore the phone calls. Or you tell them there's a problem with your platform and can they give you some personal bank details and you will then see that the money gets transferred. And that's the point your bank account gets emptied out. Mm. So it's a scam, folks. Don't assume that the profits you have made are real. And if you're having difficulties getting some of your money out, then you are just one of those unlucky ones who happen to choose a platform that was not a genuine one. Now, the other thing that South Africans don't realize is if the platform is a South African platform or the platform is a non-South African platform, SARS looks at that differently and will tax you differently. So you need to make sure that the platform, if you're hoping to get some kind of concession, then the big platforms that are based in other countries are not the place to go because SARS is going to hit you with a maximum tax rate. So that's the, the first thing. And then what happens with a lot of youngsters? Mr. Clenans, I invested in a new motor car. You cannot invest in a new motor car. <laughs> you can invest in an 1820 motor car or a 1920 Ford. That can be an investment but you are not going to invest in a new anything in motor cars because the minute you drive that motor car off the floor, it's lost 30,000, 40,000 rand immediately. So you're going to have up to 20% of the value gone. So it's not an investment. Just admit it. You bought that car because you're hoping to impress the girls or you bought that car because you're hoping to impress the boys, but it was not an investment. It may be an investment as a, uh, the, uh, the effect of having the car, but you cannot make money by buying a new car, driving it, and then hoping you're going to sell it at a profit. 
had a friend when I got 20 something years ago when we bought this house. Uh, he bought uh, an Audi for the same price as the house. Uh, 20 something years later, the house is worth close to 4 million. He sold it for 30,000 a couple of years. <laughs> Absolutely. And that is the reality. And th- this is what it gets me, especially with the youngsters, because I mean, like, they come to me and they say, I've got a decent job for the first time. I'm earning more money than I know what to deal with. I tried the Bitcoin route and I lost all my money. I tried the trading in currencies and I lost all my money. Now, how do I deal with this so that I get benefit mm-hmm. from this? And then usually I say, what investments have you made? And I said, well, I bought a motor car. Yeah. Okay, let's, let's redefine what an investment is and redefine what the criteria is for an investment. So that's kind of a journey I think most people um, get involved in. You know, you talk about investments. Uh, my daughter's getting married uh, next year. And the first thing they're looking at is getting a studio apartment in a, in a nice block. Uh, it's a little bit small, but it's their foot on the property ladder. And they can look later at something bigger. It's going to, it's going to appreciate, hopefully. You know, wh- why do you need all the other trappings first? Surely the property should be your first thing you look at when... I'm one of those who believes in the property. And I say to people, so what if it's only a one-bedroom? And yes, you are going to have a family later. But you're not buying a property now where you're going to live for five years. Mm. You're buying a property that you're going to live for the first year of your marriage. Mm. And there's no reason why you should sell that property. You can just let it become the rental property and buy something a little more pricier because it's suited to your needs because in five years time your both your work statuses are going to change you're going to earn more uh, you're going to be in a better position and that little studio apartment is now the deposit or the profit you've made for for a bigger apartment or even if you keep the uh, the the asset mm. the bank when they look at your credit rating will accept the fact that you now have an asset Mm. They're going to look at you differently. It's going to make a quarter to a half percent difference in the cost of your next home loan. But a quarter and a half percent is a lot of money. It may not seem like it, but it is a lot of money. So I encourage that the first be a genuine investment and property is an ideal way of starting out. And there's benefits for first-time homeowners as well. Is that correct? Yes, I'm not sure to what extent, because that was one of the questions I asked one of my new clients. I said, you need to go and find out because you would have qualified for 50,000 gift uh, previously. Just check if that, program, if that plan is still there because then 50,000 of your deposit will come to you from the state and oh. that can make a big difference. So that's a possibility still? It's still a possibility. So I said, go and find out whether that particular program is still in place but it 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 does make uh, a difference the other thing that we did is we uh, looked and this was a national thing at what was it people did to survive on a personal finance level (laughs) i crochet well what (laughs) one of the things that happened was that 14 percent of people who participated got a second job 
and another 12% got a third job. That was how they uh, survived. And then the question was, okay, now, what did you do in your second job and your third job? And this is where the results came out really well. The most popular uh, second or third job was people selling produce or food. And the produce, the produce would generally be organic stuff. There's actually more of a demand for that than we realize. And particularly those who had strong networks and put together that you paid a certain amount a month and you automatically got. So they kind of turned that into a kind of a passive thing. Mm. Um, the organic produce, food was the, the top choice of our uh, national survey. I have a friend who's a professional photographer. They sold organic honey. That's all they could do during the, the hard lockdown. Absolutely. Absolutely. The second most uh, was selling clothes, cosmetics, and Tupperware. I didn't know people still sold Tupperware. Well, well uh, you can see the surprise on my face. I know it's around, but I didn't realize to they the degree were, with which they did it. They were doing it, and that was the second uh, most popular. But I suppose, as you said, people with strong networks, in difficult times and you do stuff like that, people will do a certain amount of sympathy purchases because they've got a job and you don't. Absolutely. The third one was selling beauty products and nails. Now, I know my sisters the kind of money they spend on their nails. It's shocking. Um, so clearly that is a growing market. Mm. And I remember some people listening to us from the Netherlands who decided to set up nail bars in Cape Town, having listened to us, yeah. Wow. You know, uh, during the month of August, I crocheted beanies. I made 7,500 rand from crocheting beanies. Now, some people were buying beanies for 20 or selling for 20 rand. I got into the hipster crowd with my daughters and they were paying me 250 rand for a, a, a rectangle crochet beanie. I, I mean, I didn't object, but it was a lot of hard work. But there are options. You know, this is what the survey is trying to say was what were the various things that people did? Fixing cars was next. And, you know, you go into some of these backyards and you think the poor housewife who lives here. There are six cars in various states of depression. I know two it's, mechanics like that. And you can drive past in three months, and none of those cars actually ever seem to get finished. But the fact is that there are people who survive by fixing cars, and it works for them. And I think that, for me, was an interesting one. The saddest uh, mechanic I visited to get a vehicle fixed, uh, he had an engine in the lounge. I thought that poor poor lady i think she had given up by that stage yeah by then you you've you've given up you know you 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 haven't trained him properly and it's too late to stop <laughs> now okay after fixing cars came catering mm. and this is catering on large-ish venues so it'll be a wedding or a funeral that kind of catering it is actually quite surprising and i've also found there's a sub catering whereby you provide the huge gas stoves or you provide the pots and you work with the caterer. So the caterer 
does the ordering. Mm. And you can actually, I've seen a couple of hives like that where they network together and they're able to cover the cost of everything and they're able to live off the returns. I saw an interesting one where you provided with a box of ingredients and a recipe and yes. you, you throw everything in, add whatever, almost like a, 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 bo- a box you get off the shelf in the supermarket, but they literally, and they did it really, really well and it was reasonably priced. Yeah, yeah. There is a lot of money to be made in that. Um, gardening services, um, that apparently has, a, it is a profitable thing you can do because you literally need a network of about 20 customers and, and you can survive off that. So it doesn't take too much capital. I assisted uh, a young foreigner and his wife. We, we supported well, our family and others supported them during hard lockdown. After he said, you know, he had left the gardening service where he has been abused he, he, and he wanted to start his own. We took a loan on his behalf and he paid back a, a brush cutter very quickly. But the shockingly surprising thing was that in, after lockdown, the following year, all he has is a bicycle and his, and his weed eater. He saved and sent back to Malawi 56,000 rand. Yes, it is possible. So, so there must be profit there. There is profit there. There really, there really is profit. And you work hard for it. Taxis and couriers, taxi obviously being Uber and all of those kind of things, that I think was not a surprise. Mm. What was a surprise is that it was that far down the list. Mm. I had thought it would be higher. Much higher. A building. And right from the renter husband, uh, I've got a broken window. I'm tired of waiting for my spouse to fix this thing. I just go and phone a renter husband. He comes and does it and the grief is gone. So on small repairs to actually large repairs where you're redesigning the house and you're adding a granny flat. Something remarkable I discovered was uh, I did a bit of work with builders. I don't longer work with Builders Warehouse, but after the hard lockdown, and they had some record months because what happened with people working at home, all of a sudden they see that uh, that thing that needs to be repaired or repainted and they came in in their droves to do that. So that, that's where I would presume a lot of the growth was as well. People working from home, seeing the needs and calling in someone to do it. Where When you work a 12-hour day away from home, you don't notice it as much. No, that's true. The next one, you like babysitting. <laughs> well, uh, my wife didn't see any of that because she worked with the international hotels. Yes. I think what they were doing here was young mothers uh, taking on a babysitting job mm. because they've got to be at home anyway. and that then gives Babysitting them, from home. Yes. So it just gives them a couple of hundred rand extra in a week. Um, so that is true. Stock trading. Uh, that one I'm nervous about recommending because you really need to know what you're doing there. You need more than hard lockdown to learn. Yeah, you 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 know, you've got to have a gut feel. You've got to be very widely read. So people were making money from stock trading. They were making money and this does not mean you go and buy one of the off-the-shelf products that I'm not talking about. Right. That. And then the last one I think was consulting work where people have a particular gift. They were doing this in an office and now they're just saying, I can consult. So it'll be somebody who says, I was an accountant. I was doing the company tax. Why don't I start doing the taxes of other entrepreneurs? Mm. So it's that level of consulting. So there are things we can do. And obviously, if you've got three income streams, you are going to survive better 
then somebody who's only got one income stream. Well, I listened to you over the years about multiple income streams, and on yes. the 25th of March, all five disappeared. <laughs> yeah. That, that they weren't a, pandemic proof. Uh, that was once in a lifetime yeah. thing. So, folks, for those of you who are feeling that there is no solution, there are solutions. But the one thing you really need to do, if you haven't had a discussion with your certified financial planner, since the lockdown started, you're on very dangerous mm. ice. You cannot conduct your financial plan today in the way you did prior to lockdown. A lot has changed. A lot has changed. You've got to risk-proof the thing. And I'm saying any certified financial planner can help. It will make a difference. And by the way, I have clients who've got 16, 17, 18, and 19% returns over the past year, and they haven't taken suicidal risks. Mm. So the concept that you can't make money is nonsense. You can. Yeah, it's it's just finding out and research. I think a lot of people have researched things. I mean, we've done, I think I counted from hard lockdown starting, I did 17 different things to uh, generate income. Like I, I talking about the crochet, and that worked for one month. It was during winter, but 17 different things. But I had to be resourceful. I had to try things. And I think that's where uh, many people have uh, come right. They've realized now's the time. COVID has forced them to try things that they were wanted to, but they didn't before. Now all of a sudden the need was there. So I think it, I mean, that was the, the big uh, push, I think. I think uh, with my psychologist, educational psychologist, she said many people took the homeschooling push. They were forced to do it and others tasted it and realized it wasn't from them. COVID gave them that opportunity. Nico, again, I mean, we really appreciate the time and effort you put in. I know a lot of your research is duplicated, but you do some very specific research to assist our listeners and with specific problems. So thank you again for taking the time out to come and chat. Thank you. Pleasure. We, lo we look forward to uh, four weeks' time. Yes. Well, that brings us to the end of the show. Uh, another action-packed, optimistic program. One thing Nika always tries to do is make sure there's optimism and we see the things where it, ac it actually uh, isn't as bad as we think it is. Till next week, uh, which should be a community, uh, community slot. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll chat again then so from the finance show with nick and wayne thank you so much we'll see you in or i'll see you in seven days <laughs>